First off, I want to tell you about some Twitter posts I saw this week with the hashtag blessed. Unlike last week's, which were just examples, these are real Twitter posts. A picture of a woman holding a Louis Vuitton bag. My husband is everything. He got me the bag of my dreams. Hashtag blessed. A content creator posted a picture of himself on a men's health magazine. First magazine cover, hashtag blessed. And my personal favorite. A while back, the Pope's Twitter account posted, Today we give thanks to the Lord for our new hashtag saints. If you do the hashtag saints, it's followed by the football team's logo. <laughs> for our new hashtag saints, they walked by faith and now we invoke their intercession. To which the New Orleans Saints posted, couldn't lose after this, hashtag blessed. And highly favored. By the way, the Saints did win that day. Of course, we heard last week about Abraham, perhaps the most unlikely candidate to be the instrument of God's blessing. Abraham was 75 years old. He was childless. His father and brother were dead. It appeared to be the ending of a family story rather than the beginning. And at times, he and his wife Sarah acted in ways that appeared to put the promise in jeopardy. Yet, God remained faithful to Abraham and Sarah, and along the way, they learned to be faithful to God. Now we've jumped a few generations. The promise of blessing continues through Abraham's son Isaac, and Isaac's son, Jacob. Jacob, for his part, is a pretty fertile guy. His 12 named sons and one named daughter with two wives and two and, and their slave girls as well. Things aren't peaceful, to say the least. There's competition between the wives and rivalry among the sons. Jacob is no better of a parent than his parents singling out two sons for special treatment, Joseph and Benjamin, both sons of his favorite wife, Rachel. But the narrative focuses on Joseph in particular. His dad makes him an ornamented coat, immortalized as the coat with many colors in the King James Version of the Bible and in the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. Dun, 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 dun. Eh, forget it. <laughs> To make matters worse, Joseph has dreams that seem vainglorious, where he's exalted above his brothers, even above his parents. And he goes and tells them about it. Hey, I dreamed that I was better than all of you. Hmm. Fed up, his brothers sell him into slavery. Joseph, instead of being exalted, is brought to the lowest of the low. Some kind of blessing this is. I can just picture the tweet. Thrown into a pit by jealous brothers, sold into slavery, death faked, father devastated, hashtag blessed. This should be the end of the story, but it simply takes another turn. Joseph ends up in the house of Potiphar, a high official in Pharaoh's employ. Potiphar is a pretty big deal. And Joseph, by the grace of God, has administrative skills that would make any pastor, CEO, or president jealous. 
He is so good at his job, again, by the grace of God, that Potiphar only needs to worry about the kind of food he shovels into his mouth. But then Potiphar's wife notices Joseph. It's important to say something about what happens next. We're reckoning today with a past when women's reports and some men's reports of sexual assault were often not taken seriously. Such dismissal has been just devastating for those people and for those who love them. However, this story must be read for what it is, not a story about sex, but about power. A story of an abusive power dynamic, a dynamic that will be repeated often in Israel's history. Joseph, for all of his success, for all of his privileges, is still just a slave. And slaves aren't supposed to say no. When Joseph refuses her advances, he's bucking the power dynamic. So she projects the very thing she did onto Joseph, and he's thrown into prison by Potiphar, from low to high to low again. Here's another great tweet. Falsely accused of rape by my master's wife, rotting in prison, hashtag blessed. Yet we hear a strange thing in the text. Even when these disasters strike, we're told something very important. The Lord was with Joseph. God didn't prevent bad things from happening. God didn't prevent Joseph's brothers from selling him or Potiphar's wife from assaulting and falsely accusing him. Nor did God prevent Potiphar from throwing Joseph into prison. Yet we're told that God was definitely with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. That term, steadfast love, translates my favorite Hebrew word, chesed. God's loyalty, love, and mercy was with Joseph, not to prevent bad things from happening, but appearing through the bad things that did happen. And this is how God shows mercy to us contemporary spiritual descendants of Joseph and heirs of the blessing. One of the most enduring questions about God is what's called the theodicy question. Why does an all-powerful, all-loving God permit evil to happen? Especially we can imagine an outcome that would clearly be beneficial for most people. Why doesn't God stop Putin? Why does God let children be malnourished even in a country as wealthy as ours? Why did God allow our loved one to die or suffer from addiction or to be imprisoned? Such questions are heartbreaking precisely because the answers are so indefinite. Scripture what wrestles with these questions, especially in the Psalms, in the book of Job, and in the prophetic literature. There's, in fact, a lot of the literature of the Bible, a lot of the Bible is a wrestling with that question. Where is God when bad things happen? The question is, is that God is with God's people. God shows Hesed to us as God showed Hesed to Joseph. And the chief sign of this Hesed, this steadfast love, this mercy, this loyalty, is the sign of the cross. 
On the cross, Jesus expressed God's solidarity with suffering humanity. On the cross, Jesus took all our injustice that masquerades as justice, all our sin that masquerades as righteousness, and all our evil that masquerades as holiness. Jesus took all of that on himself. And in their place, gives us shalom, justice, love. And Jesus continues the work of blessing, in fact, completes that work of blessing begun so long ago. Jesus is God's ultimate expression of chesed, of loyal, steadfast, loving kindness. And in him we are made worthy to continue carrying that blessing made so long ago from generation to generation. The blessing of the patriarchs and the matriarchs as we receive it through Jesus may not look like much to the outside world. It may not look like anything but a curse. But it is the blessing that brings life to the world. God continue to help us perceive such blessing in all places, especially those places that seem evil to us at the time. Because the bad thing that happens is never the end of the story. Joseph's story did not end with his imprisonment. And our stories don't end with whatever we suffer from. They don't even end with our death. God's loyalty and love continues. God's blessing will bring us life. A pastor at the Theology for Ministry conference last week shared that he, gave, he gives his congregation assignments at the end of his sermon. So I'm going to give you one. At least once this week. Embody that blessing in one small or large way to someone else. How can you bring God's blessing of life in someone else's dark situation? Who can you call? Who can you write a letter to? Who can you just even smile and wave and ask, how's it going? And a follow-up. In your own tough situations, how can you remember that God is faithful to you. God is faithful. God is merciful. God is love. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.